I, I moved to California for a brief period, like three years. What brought you out there? Oh, I was, you know, trying it out. And Just trying out the I, nice I had sunshine life. I had it for, with New York. I don't know. I, I felt like it had changed a lot, and I was getting a little in panties and a twist. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, uh, just gonna, it'll be easy. Move out there. It'll be great. And it was really hard. Did you Very move to hard. L.A. or San Francisco? Moved to L.A. I yeah. was in Laurel Canyon. And it was kind of isolating. And, I, it, you know, the weather didn't change. I like weather. So it just I, I realized it didn't suit me. And then, you know, I, I came back. It's, it's bad because I was quoted in that article saying, I hate California, which isn't true. <laughs> I just like to visit. I just... Hated living there. Yeah, there's also a but lot of it too. Like I I'm from love New York. I mean, yeah, but also you know I'm from like San Francisco, which is very mm-hmm. different than oh yeah, L A. But I get it from the standpoint of you know we were talking before we turned the mics about being in the office building. L A. is similar to that, wherein it's impossible to really gauge the passage of time there without yeah. seasons. If yeah, it's the same temperature all the time. Yeah, and it was a big drought then. I moved yeah. there in 2011. And it, it just never rained. It was bizarre. Was the idea to be closer to the music industry? Was that part of it? Uh, no. No? No. It was complicated. Okay. Yeah. But um, Personal when stuff. I came back, it was like a love affair with New York. I yeah. was so happy to be back. I made all these new friends. I, it's just kind of more, you know, I have, I have a lot of family over on the East Coast. And I have my chosen family here. So... It was almost necessary to get away for a little bit. In order yeah, to it helped me. It. it helped me really appreciate it. That's yeah. the silver lining. Cost me a fortune, but you know, hey. As far money? as just moving from one place to the yeah, other, yeah, it's very hard to move. It's hard to stay here too. It's really expensive. I know. That's why I want to move out to Queens. Yeah. What's kept you in New York all these years? You're you're well, a Midwesterner, ba- right? Yeah, but oh no, I mean, I, I fell in love with New York the minute I moved here in '79. Yeah. I thought this is like where I want to be. So it's got everything. And I found it really friendly. And I met a lot of amazing people that are still my friends 40 years later. You know, my band, it's like that. We're very tight. We're really close. So it really kept me here. Are you one of those people who gets a little sort of nostalgic for the grime and the crime? And Yeah, but, you know, that doesn't do you any good. I mean, I try to go with the flow. I mean, it, the whole country is ass backwards right now. I mean, yeah. I, I don't really know. It's it's kind of a reflection, I think, of what's going on in the country. All this greed and gentrification, and it just is a reflection of the country. And I'm I'm trying to, in my own way, do what I can to fight it. I feel like people in D.C. probably feel this even more. But you know, we it's a bubble in a lot of ways, right? Like mm-hmm. politically, it's a bubble, and varying degrees of surprise when something like Trump happens. But on the flip side, yeah, I mean, this is the epicenter of all finances for the country and, and, and really the world in a way. You're really getting both ends of the spectrum. You know, you're getting yeah. one of the most progressive places in the U.S., but you're also just getting the <laughs> landlords and the Wall Street and all these other yeah, terrible and things. The, yeah, and I, there's just no kind of foresight going on. Like, what are they? There's all these hotels and all this building, really mostly ugly buildings as far as I can see. Yeah. And I, I, I saw the buildings come down that I thought were really cool that before they were protected. And that was sad. Like, I love the buildings. I have an attachment to the architecture and the old. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So that's what Queens is good for. You go out there and you're like, 
back in time with the mom pa shops. And- yeah. Do you feel a connection to any of the music scene out here? Or are you still active in it? Yeah. Well, my son is in a band. Okay. My son, he's um, Austin Julian. So he's got a band called Sediment Club, or he had one. And he does a solo thing called Sunk Heaven. And I see his friends and I see his band. And I try to, yeah, I like, I think there's a whole thing going on. But, you know, it's harder for me to go out sure. like, and see him at two or three in the morning. But I do what I can. I, I like to see him. And I, I like that it's left of center. There's a lot of interesting things going on. Is he he's cool with having his mom out at the show? Yeah. Well, I'm not the average mom, I sure. guess. Sure. I, I feel like if I was at a rock band and my mom came out to the show, I, I think it would be a little a little weird for me. Yeah. Well, I did. I he, I never had that. He always loved my band. Yeah. And his friends love it. The Bush Touchers kind of kept their cred a little bit. They did. Yeah. People who know about it anyway, it's kind of this. It's not like it's. A huge band, but it's definitely has cred because it's not a commercial band. I think those two things are very much not mutually exclusive of right of, of you not being like mainstream, but also being able to to keep that level of cool or that level of mystique. Because if you had gotten past a certain point, you know, if, you'd if we were the, the Go Go's, yeah, well, my, yeah. if his mother was Belinda Carlisle, he might have a problem. Well, his <laughs> life would probably be different in other ways if his mother was Belinda yes. Carlisle, I guess. Yeah, but I, I feel like it's it's unusual musically, and I think people are yeah. still interested in that. Do you feel that, that there was a time where you, when you kind of had those opportunities? Did you see those opportunities to become not necessarily the Go-Go's, but to kind of cross some thresholds and, you know, and, and become something a little more mainstream? Well, I think we blew it a little before that moment. Yeah. So, but I, I think that's a good, I don't regret that because I feel we were we were real punky. Like we were not into being told what to wear yeah. or play. So I don't know if that would have even played out. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's tough, right? I mean, it, yeah, then, and we were then, girls, so yeah. like, I think if we had been male, it would have been different. But I think girls at that point, they, they didn't know what to do with us really, because yeah. we didn't dress like the other girl bands, and we didn't sound like the other girl bands. We were pretty dark. We had more in common with the English bands, like the au pairs, and yeah, I. I I don't know. It's a good question, but I think it it served us not to do that because we're always just not interested in being commercial. So it left left us to a lot of freedom to just express ourselves the way we wanted to. I think you used a phrase. Was it blew up before that? What happened in oh, there? Oh, the usual. The usual. Yes. Such as um, there was, you know, drugs, drugs, and and just bad choices with. Managers and yeah. not having managers that we could have had. We we didn't really have anybody that was pulling for us that could have kind of corralled us. We were just a little out of control at that point. We had a lot fast, and we were touring and touring and burned ourselves out, and uh, it just it kind of imploded. You feel like the initial rise was quick? Yeah. Yeah, it was fast. I mean, in 79, I had no idea I was going to be in a band and they talked me into it so the end of 79 so by February 1980 we had our first gig and then we recorded in the summer June so it was fast yeah it was pretty fast and then we had you know that single was on billboard charts and 
It was fast. Maybe to a certain, up to a certain point, being idiosyncratic and different, being a band full of women, maybe those were actually marked advantages up to, you know, when you were first starting out. You know, maybe these are things that you can use to set yourself apart for from everybody else, but that maybe ultimately at some point become a liability. Well, I think, you know, to be true to yourself yeah. is invaluable. Sure. I mean, I, I can play those songs and be really happy playing those old songs that are 40 years old. And then when we were writing new songs, they're just as true to ourselves as they were then. So, But I'm sure there's a lot of people who are true to themselves but still find themselves banging their heads against the wall, you know, who don't really get that sort of initial success early on. Do you get a sense of why the stars kind of aligned for those early uh, years? Yeah, I think it was a lot of chemistry. We had yeah. a lot of chemistry that you can't really explain that. And I've been thinking about it because it's still happening. So we'll mm. get in studio and I'll have some ideas. I have lyrics and Pat has some guitar line and just poof, it just um, happens. And that's how it happened in the beginning. It must make it extra difficult when the time comes to, you know, replace a member for any reason is, you know, how do you recreate that? You know, we've been lucky because Pat D and I have been together for 40 years. Mm -hmm. We had a little respite Mm-hmm. where Don Christensen and, and Bob Albertson played. But mainly it was us with Laura, and then Laura yeah. left the band. And we, you know, we haven't, we've had a bass player thing. But um, The bass player is your drummer, <clears throat> the, your Spinal Tap drummer? Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and now we're really lucky. I don't know how it happened. We just like we we won the lottery because she's perfect. So it's really great for us. She just fits in. That brief respite, as you said, that you had when you brought in a couple of other people, I, I, I suspect that might have really brought into sharp focus how important chemistry is. That you can't just bring somebody else in and you can't just swap out other people. Well, we had something different. I mean, I really like. We had a couple songs with them. It's yeah. so weird. And who's going to pay? We had songs that we wrote with them that we loved, but they were really different, mm. and it wasn't really the same thing. And you feel like in, in even now, you know, even 40 years later, the minute you get in a recording studio or get on stage that everything just kind of clicks yeah. back into place? Yeah, it's pretty magical. Yeah. I feel blessed with that. That's kind of amazing. Yeah, and we're having, we're having just, um, we're writing a lot. So we ha- we're going to play a new song that nobody's heard mm-hmm. yet. Like, because we like doing that, we like taking, taking the opportunity to play it out. So we're going to do a f- our 40th anniversary show on the 21st. And we'll do the old songs, but we're really excited about this new song yeah. we're doing. And we have all these surprises and old friends coming on stage with us. It's it's fun. Are you a nostalgic person generally? Well, no, <laughs> not really. I mean, I feel like lucky that you know, in my twenties, I had an amazing time. It was an amazing time in New York in 1980. It was really exciting, and there was so much to do, so so many great things going on. I mean, I was really, I, I had a blast. So I look at it, but I don't look backwards constantly. Yeah. I like where I am now. 
I mean, I have I have a lot of fun now. What uh, what brought you out to New York in the first place? Well, I was in Cleveland, and Which Cleveland has its own charm. Cleveland had a lot going on. Yeah. There was like Devo yeah, and, Ubu and Rubber City yeah. Rebels, Destroy All Monsters, all these bands, and we used to go out on Thursday nights to see these bands play at this yeah. place. And I went to art school there, and I met Laura Kennedy yeah. there. I mean, talk about like idiosyncratic music and an idiosyncratic yeah. scene. Like, there was some weird shit happening in Cleveland yeah. at that time. And I feel like there were these, that was a weird little hub there. Yeah. It had a great radio station, and the art school was amazing, and I had a lot of freedom to do cool art there. But I, I kept hearing these New York bands, the Ramones and Richard Hell and the Voidoids, and a lot of, I'd get these singles, and I was like, I want to go to New York. So my roommate and I, we moved. We got like a U-Haul and we moved to New York. I was very, I, w- I was really excited. I felt like the first time I came to New York, since I was, you know, mm-hmm. from when I was a kid, I came to visit and I stayed at the Hotel Empire and these friends that were going to Columbia got me a hotel room for free yeah and i walked all the way down and i thought it was oh. up in washington heights no it was uh, it was um upper west side okay and i walked all the way down broadway all the way down yeah and i just you know sometimes you just know yeah. i felt really comfortable there because in in cleveland although there were really cool things going on it was really hard i mean i used to get harassed constantly and I didn't Just feel... Just like street harassment, you mean? Or? Yeah, you know, I had like, I don't know, purple stripes or, oh. on my hair. Street harassment certainly does happen here, but it's not necessarily people yelling at you for looking weird. Yes. so I mean, that's as a woman walking down the street generally. Yeah. Yeah, and that's why we wrote that song, Pretty yeah. Much Too Many Creeps. But no, there it was more like you just didn't fit in. You felt like you didn't fit in. And I wanted to fit in somewhere. Yeah. So when I came to New York, it just felt like, wow, this is it. This is where I, what I like. It does sound like, to some degree, you did find your kind of, your weirdos in Cleveland, your exactly. group of people in Cleveland. They mm-hmm. were there, you know, certainly the music scene, the art scene, but it... But nobody stayed. Nobody stayed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, let's get out of here. You know, the river caught on fire. It was a big mess there. <laughs> it was really, really depressed. Catch on fire, yeah. Yeah, and I felt like New York was depressed then. Sure. It was really cheap to live there, and nobody wanted to live there. You did kind of trade one depression for another, yeah. right? But there was more of a scene yeah. like that was crossing a lot of artistic genres. You know, there was, like, film going on. There was, there was art, street art. Mm-hmm. There was so much going on there. What happened? And music, What happened writing. to that roommate? Oh, well, it's Barbara Clark. She's an amazing jeweler. Okay. And... Um, so yeah. she stuck around? She did. Yeah. She's she's up in, in Woodstock now. Okay. But yeah, we we uh we had this crazy cat on the floor that was like howling the whole time. It was a hellish trip. But once we got once we got to New York we were, we uh we never looked back. The cat came with you? Cat came with us, Olivia, yeah. Did Olivia adjust at all to New York City life or was she, she still was pretty? She was always a bitch. Yeah. You know, she was a bitch in Cleveland, she yeah. was a bitch in New York, but she was a queen bitch. Yeah. 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 You can take the bitch out of the city, but you can't exactly. take the city out of the bitch or however that, however that goes. What's interesting is that um, 
you know, it, it was music that drew you out here, but you really didn't have any particular musical ambitions. Right. I was going to be a fashion designer. But I, I had a couple of, like, I, I had applied to the Fashion Institute, and they didn't give mm-hmm. me any credits for my art school that I've gone, like, three years. Yeah. And I just kind of went, this like, screw this. And plus, I had, like, a a brief stint at some clothing place on the Upper East Side mm-hmm. and I got into a huge row with the with the uh, owner and I just I th- I said I hate this business like it was very male dominated and I just didn't have the drive for the fashion world I mean I liked it and I made some cool clothes I I used to design clothes when I first moved here but then I just quickly knew that it wasn't for me I didn't have what it takes I mean you have to be really driven because you have to put up with a lot. I wasn't really willing to do that. So doing music, it was just, it just kind of, I just fell into it. I just, I feel like like everything that you use to describe fashion, you can use to describe music, right? Male dominated. Yeah, you exactly. have to be really driven. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's easy to kind of fall flat on your face. These are all absolutely ways that you could use yeah. to describe music, especially back then. But you're like on your own. When I hooked up with these three other weirdos, mm-hmm. it was you know, a collaboration. And I think in my heart, like collaborating was the way to really, was the way to go for me because doing it by myself, I was a portrait artist too. And just doing the visual art and the fashion, it was just so kind of lonely. I liked doing the collaboration. It was exciting because you, you know, you, you're kind of combining things. It's kind of magical. Yeah, You put these things together and you have this work of art. So you so, were writing poetry at the time? I was, if you call it, yeah, I was I mean, writing. I've, I was, I was writing poetry yeah, at the time. If you could call it that, what and would you so call was, it? They were all, they were all, we were all writing poetry. Yeah. Laura, Dee, Pat, and I, and we kind of even like cut them out like Dada style. Oh, like and uh, put Burroughs. them together. Like yeah. that's how we wrote Cowboys in Africa. Yeah. We we all were writing, and I mean, Dee wrote rituals. We were all writing, but I, I kind of took over the writing after a while. Do you get a sense of what it was as somebody, again, who didn't particularly have musical ambitions, who maybe kind of just wrote uh, poems as a, as a hobby? Do you have a sense of what it was that they saw in you that maybe you didn't see at the time? Well, I, I think it wasn't important then. Yeah. You didn't have to be a musician. Nobody knew how to play their instruments. There was just so much possibility then. I can't even describe it. It was like you could really have poetic license to do whatever you wanted. It was just... It was a magical time. And I know that sounds nostalgic, yeah. but it's kind of, no, it's no. a fact. It was just like there weren't all those restrictions. It was a moment when people could just do, people would be in a band and a filmmaker and a, in a band and do artwork like Jean-Michel. You know, everybody could do, combine a lot of different arts and everything was cool. Did the other things fall away pretty quickly? Did the other, the, the fashion and the painting? Well, I, I designed little outfits for the band, yeah. little striped things for our first gig. Yeah, yeah, but then I stopped. And then I think I restarted. I was doing some clothing with Lydia Lunch as mm-hmm. like my my manager, which was like, <laughs> just, She was, a, your, was clo- your clothing manager? Yes. Uh, How does that work? Oh, it didn't work that well. Didn't work. <laughs> so, the answer is it didn't work. <laughs> yeah, it was brief. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I always loved fashion. I mean, I still love that. But you had to make a whole career of it. 
I went into teaching after that. And that was pretty easy segue because you're performing. What were you teaching? I was teaching every. I teach everything. Yeah. I, I taught art at first, and that was fun. But I really loved teaching writing, so that's when I got into the poetry, like teaching poetry, and the value of poetry. It's nice to teach children the value of poetry. Art has always struck me as an incredibly difficult thing to teach, um, unless you're teaching it, you know, as like a trade school. It's just so subjective. <laughs> yeah, it is, but it's almost like teaching um, the tools. Like you just have certain tools that you can use and then giving them the license to do whatever they want. Just making sure as a teacher you provide a safe environment for them to feel like they can do what they want to ex- express themselves and it's, it's good. So I'd get really excited if a kid used a simile. You know, I'm like, oh, I'm like, this is such a cool comparison. And like, kids would come up with really great things that would, like, inspire me because they're so naive and so, you know, they don't have the restrictions. It is beautiful. Yeah, it, and with art, too, they don't yeah. have any restrictions. They decide somewhere around, like, fourth grade if they're a good or bad artist. It's so sad. And you just go, no, no, please. Yeah. It, it is like punk in a way, isn't it? As long as no one's telling you that you can't do it. Yeah. That's why we decide to to give up on things because somebody somewhere has given us the idea that we're right. not good at it. And they do that a lot. Did music ever really go away completely for you? No. No, I had a lot of other projects I did. I I think Bush Tetris, we, and, and I think it was so bad with my timeline, but I think it was around 97, mm-hmm. 98, we got dropped by our label um, polygram. That's a pretty good run. Yeah, but you know, it was off and on. Sure. It was like really, and I had a band with my husband, Ivan Julian. We yeah. did a band and I had those other things going on, but that was pretty heartbreaking because we loved the record we made we, with Don Fleming. We loved it. It was called Happy and then it just got shelved. So that was pretty heartbreaking. And I think, and I had a baby, you know, I had a young, I had a young kid at that point. Well, he wasn't really a baby by then, but I had to really like hustle. I yeah. had to make some some bread. So I, 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 it was just kind of became more of a hobby thing. Did you put things on hold when the kid first came along? Well, he was born in in eighty nine, the end of eighty yeah. nine, and Bush Touchers really weren't doing much. But I had done a band with his dad, mm-hmm. Ivan, and that band we kind of kept it trying to keep it going till like I don't know, it was like ninety one. And it was just too hard. And then I started this other band called One Nine Hundred Box in '92, I think. That is such a like a great early '90s name for a oh band. Oh my it's god! Like it was all you would have called it dot com if, if yeah, it had yeah, been yeah, like right. eight it years was, later. Yeah, it was it was a great band, but yeah. that that didn't last long. And then yeah, you know, I just I just had to make money. I was a single parent. Yeah. I had to make money. It's no joke in New York. I put myself back through school. I paid for everything. What's being in a band with your husband like? I mean, how much strain does that put on a relationship? Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. It was hard, yeah. Yeah, sure. Can't imagine not only working with a spouse, but also, like, touring with a spouse and attempting to do something creative. Because just, like, being in a band with another person, even let alone, you know, somebody you're not in a relationship with at all... This is why bands break up. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's really hard. And plus, I think 
when in 80, 88, or I, I got no, in 89, I was pregnant, but we were trying to pretend I wasn't pregnant somehow. And I had like really bad morning sickness. Sure. And, oh my God. That was like really hard. And I, it was, it was crazy. So, um, and it, yeah, I think it's ill fated. I think it's really hard unless you have things really worked out, which yeah. we didn't. But, um, you know, I have so much respect for him. He's such an amazing player. He's like, there's some moments on stage. Yeah. I mean, do solos. I it was just unbelievably talented person. There's certainly an upside to it. I, I was speaking with somebody recently who uh, was a musician, married to a musician, and the upshot of it is that um, there's sort of an implicit understanding that, like, how your life is structured and, like, that you're going to go all, away on tour... You don't have to have those sorts of like hyper specific conversations with them because they just know mm-hmm. what the life is like. Yeah, but once the kid comes into yeah. play, he had to join Matthew Sweet. You know, he had to do gigs that made him money, sure. and then I was home with the kid, so it really changes everything. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of people that are in bands together don't have kids. I mean, I don't know how you yeah. really do that unless you make it ton of money and have a nanny along and yeah i don't yeah. know how that works i never got to find that one out yeah I've, I've spoken to some jam bands who that seem very much seems to be a thing where they, they have you know their giant tour bus and like all the kids are on the bus and it's all just like woodstock like all the time it absolutely does. right uh, yeah i didn't have those jam bands sure <laughs> why did you feel it necessary to hide that you were pregnant at the time oh that was ivan's idea i don't know <laughs> i don't think he wanted he didn't, you know, it's like these things, these yeah. constraints that you think, like, people wouldn't like the band yeah. if they knew we were a couple, so he was trying to hide that we were a couple. I mean, it was just, wait, I don't know. It wasn't my idea. Yeah. I just kind of went along with everything. Do you feel like there was ever a point that there was anything, any point when you really sort of shot yourself in the foot and didn't do something because it didn't feel like punk enough? punk enough you know that it just didn't feel cool enough that you like you made some you know something i talk to people about a lot is are the kinds of arbitrary decisions that we make oh. when we're younger the stands that we take yeah well the band we were like brats like bush tetras yeah there were people offered us you know management yeah we're like, fuck that. I'm not going to pay 20%. It was like ridiculous, yeah. you know. And then, yeah, that was really shooting ourselves in the foot. We did it a lot. Or we we just – or we took advice of like touring constantly and we weren't able to write. Mm. That wasn't smart. We just didn't take – we didn't take guidance well. And we we hired friends. You know, some people ripped us off. I mean, we just – we were just – we weren't good business people. We're yeah. much better now. Yeah. So we made many mistakes, yeah. But that's part of being – that's sure. part of being like, you know, on the planet. You're human. Yeah. I don't, I don't really like to regret things. I feel like, you know, things happen for a reason. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy that I have this wonderful, amazing kid. So I never regret anything. Sure. That is anything attached to that. So – I'm, I feel really lucky. And I feel lucky that we kind of got through, all of us kind of got through whatever we needed to get through to get to the other side, to be able to respect each other and play together. 
because we, we're not like Metallica. We, we get along pretty well. <laughs> I mean, we have arguments, but um, we always work it out. Like, always. There was a point in the past when it, you couldn't work it out. Well, yeah, D, D, you know, quit the band early on in, like, 83 or, you know, a little 83. Yeah. And then really kind of Yeah, but, you know, he went on to do things he needed to do. Yeah. Like, he played in a band with his wife, Dear Friends, and then he was in a band with Jeffrey Lee, Gun Club. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Great bands. Yeah. I never begrudge people. They they need to do what they need to do. See, I'm a hippie at heart. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think that's a waste of time, really, to feel like. I mean, we learn from our mistakes and how yeah. we were treating each other, too. So that's kind of part of being on the planet. You have to learn how to treat each other. If the um, band hadn't come along, you might have been the... the the jewelry maker who moved to Woodstock. It could be. <laughs> that could yes. have just as easily been your trajectory. Or, yeah, like. making clothes for yeah. Patricia Fields or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. It's funny how it's like fate. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that happens. I mean, I had to take a big leap and I was really scared to get on stage. So I had to get past that. How long I had did that stage take? Fright. Oh, I mean, we had so many gigs. My Our yeah. second gig was at. Irving Plaza. Yeah. So I had to just get over it. There's something that was driving me. I liked it. You know, I liked it. I was you had your scared. eyes closed for most of the yeah. second gig, first and second gigs? Yeah. And what what didn't get in that article is really, I played, I, I was really into playing guitar. I yeah. still am, but it's like the act of doing singing and playing sure. and having those responsibilities. Walking and chewing gum. So and I, I had the guitar on standby. The amp was yeah. on standby the whole gig. Oh, so you were strumming. Yeah, I'm playing. Nothing's <laughs> coming out. I pick it up, play it. And it was like yeah. ridiculous. So that's when I went, forget it. I just can't. And I think Pat likes to play alone. I only did accents. I only kind of used it percussively. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of like doing percussion. Because I could get tones out of the cowbell and I could do things with my percussion. I'm still into percussion. I'm a frustrated drummer. I would, I mean, really, if I could do anything, I'd be a drummer. Yeah. I love drums. It's kind of, I'm a little obsessed with drumming. Is that something that you pursued further? No. No. You know, now that I'm retired, maybe yeah. I'll take some drum lessons. Absolutely. Now, torture when, once D you and move to Queens, you can exactly. get a drum set. Yeah. set up a kit right in my living room. Yeah, yeah I, I really love, like, I when I go see bands, I, I pay attention a lot to the drummer. I have some favorites. Having that much stage fright that you literally can't open your eyes for most of it does not sound like a pleasant experience. What, what kept you going? I, I think it's because when we were writing the songs... Mm. I felt like a part of something. And I was always such a loner and, you know, a freak in school that it made me feel safe in that little group. So I think that pushed me. I think there's something about this camaraderie that you have in a band. Did you ever get to a point where you were fully sustained by the music? Yeah, we were, yeah, just that's right when we blew it. <laughs> yeah, that right, would be. Right when you got to that point when you yeah, could make a living. Like 82. Yeah. By 82, we were, you know, imploding. Is there a sense of self sabotage there, you think? Sure, I'm sure. Well, you know, um, it's, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. Not, not maybe not intentional, but when you're you're consuming, you know, excessively, mm-hmm. and you're not in your right mind, and you, it's just uh, just not a pretty sight. You know, some people, if they have good management, they have that. We just didn't have that behind us, and I think it was combined with. I think it, if it had been all male, it would have been a different story. I, yeah. I do think that. I think we were very androgynous. And now it's nothing, you know, androgyny is normal. Then it was really, people were intimidated. Mm. They really didn't know. I know that we intimidated a lot of people in the business, in the audience. And we really, we were just pussy cats. <laughs> but we, we, were, we looked different. And we wrote about different things that girls didn't usually write about. Did you find it just easier being in a band with women? Well, that was that was such a different band because that was much more commercial. Yeah. It, you know, it was. It was you were not going out of your way to alienate people. <laughs> no, and it, you no, know, I, I, we weren't going out of our way to alienate people. We were, we were being ourselves. Yeah. I think. I, I don't think we really were trying to alienate. We were just expressing ourselves in the commercial band. You in, weren't in, being no yourself. in Bush Tetris. No, but I, the the other t- one, yeah. yeah, that was a different group of girls, and it was more commercial. It was like songwriting, and one of them, Steph Paines, she's in that band, Les Zeppelin. Mm. And she's she's a commercial player. She plays, yeah. you know, cover songs. And she was into solos. And, you know, it was a totally different thing. It was uh, totally different musically. Was it enjoyable? Yeah, sure. It's, well, it still was. It was. But it, I never I never got to that place. You know, there's a, the thing that's on, only happened with Bush Tetris. Didn't happen with my band with Ivan. Mm-hmm. Never happened except with Bush Tetris. I transport. I go to a different place. I'm on stage. I feel like I'm massive. It's it's like such a treat. And it's just, it's like stirring the soup. You're up yeah. there and you have this, this it's just uh, inexplicable. I really do go to a different I'm going to ask you to try to explicate it a little bit. What, what, is, what does that mean exactly? Well, I, I, it's like an out-of-body experience. Really? Yeah, you're watching like yourself perform? Kind of. You know, I feel like, I feel different. I, I don't feel like Cynthia. I yeah. feel like a different. I feel part of the song. I feel like I'm sending a message. Yeah. I mean, you know, I I I feel like my head's gonna blow off. Really, and I I really I get very like powerful. It's interesting. I mean, you're, you're and I have it with Pat. Pat and I have a like yeah. um, thing. We have one song that we play called Ocean. And it's like, we love playing it. I think the other two get sick of playing it, but we're like, ah, oh, we gotta, gotta go to You that get the place. Vulcan mind meld. Yeah, and we, we get really into it. You're, you're describing a lot of these things, I think, that people, a lot of people are kind of chasing when they do drugs. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. transcendence and out of body experience. Really yeah, just but, sort of... but with drugs, it's like you stop feeling. Yeah. But the, the, you know, I never had this when I was, Drinking, like I used to have to drink a lot to get on stage sure. just because I was so nervous, and that is not happening now. No, no, we're all like sober. Yeah, so it's it's more powerful being sober doing it. Absolutely, 
how long were you drinking to get over the stage fright? Was that a constant? Everybody was drinking. Yeah. You know, like, well, there's drinking and then there's drinking like because I need this to do my job. Well, I think everybody everybody would drink before they got on stage. Yeah. It was just so acceptable. No, I mean, I don't think – and I – you know, there was a couple times where I, I drank way too much. But that was because I had laryngitis and we'd already got paid half – up front for the gig, oh, and the band's like, you got to go on. Yeah. So then I had, I don't know, a lot of Remy, and I don't yeah. remember being on stage. But most of the time, it was, you know, moderate. You know, just it was just always accepted that you just had several beers before you went on stage or whatever. It was just everybody did that. It was just a very... It was part of the whole thing. Yeah. So there were only very a, rock and roll. A so. few instances of self medication in that in that. Yeah, way. I didn't. I was real, well. I mean, as a singer, you can't really do yeah. coke. That's a disaster. Yeah. Unless you're Marvin Gaye or something. Yeah. I don't know. I you need I, your nasal cavity. Well, yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> no, and you can't. It just messes yeah. with your whole thing. Yeah. So no, it's an instrument. You have to you protect it, and I learned quickly that certain things didn't work i was trying to be good i mean it sounds like you're enjoying the process of doing this more than you've ever had at any point yeah i retired early so i could just do this yeah because yeah it's a lot of fun i like writing that's really fun so we you know we're deep in the writing process we're trying to get an album together how much of the benefit do you think is just not having you know, because you use the word retire of not having pressure in the same way that you had when you were coming up. Oh, yeah, it's really freeing. I mean, the whole thing. It's a whole different life being 60. I tell You me just about it. don't give a shit. Like, you're just <laughs> doing what you want to do because yeah. everything's gravy. Everything's good. Like, I have friends dropping like flies, you know. They're, it's it's great to be on the planet and i'm just really want to enjoy myself and um try to be kind it's very important to me be kind and just try to communicate what i want to communicate like i, I really love writing the words i write a lot of them now and they're very meaningful to me and i and i want to keep the same thing where they can mean different things to different people mm -hmm. because we've always had that so that's nice way to express myself, um, you know, writing the poetry. Are you able to do anything with it beyond the band and, and the album that, that will come out at some point? Are you doing anything with the words that you're writing? No, but I, I do occasionally write stream of conscious, mm. like, bits for yeah. blogs and things. Okay. So they some of your stuff like, can be yeah. found online. Yeah, I just wrote something about, you know, Pat Irwin. He has a band with this... Uh, guy Jay Walker, maybe he's saying his name wrong. Yeah, sorry, but they they have he plays trombone and Pat plays guitar and it's this amazing collection. Mm -hmm. They recorded this CD, so I wrote something about it that I liked. I like right, yeah, sometimes, but I don't have much time because I do portraits mm. and I do I I still draw, and you know socialize a lot there's a lot going on you yeah. know it's new york 
So being, it's hard so to fit it in. Being retired doesn't yeah, necessarily mean you've become a hermit. No, and there's binge watching all these friggin' shows. <laughs> I've got Netflix to watch. Yes. I can't. I mean, I got rid of cable, but, you yeah. know, it's just. And I go to a lot of movies. I'm a huge cinephile. I love movies. Yeah. Like, I, I love going to movies. This kind of Zen approach that you have to the band and life and art, I mean, is that. Have you always had that to some degree, or has that no. come. No. No. What changed? Not at all. And when did it change? I, I I think everything. It's just experience. It's like I, uh, you know, you make a choice after a while. You you see that you can make a choice. Mm-hmm. You can live your life one way, fear based way, or you can live your life, you know, a different way. And you can choose. It's like getting to a point where you see that you can make a choice. I guess. And w- w- just once you've made that choice enough times, it just kind of changes your outlook on life well you see the results yeah a lot happier and good things happen and you can be there for people it's nice I, you know doesn't get... sound very punk rock does it <laughs> I, know. I mean you, you know you used the h word before you did call yourself a hippie and it... yeah but i don't you know like to me the original hippie idea wasn't such a bad idea it's just sure. how it was kind of um What's the word? Co-opted or... Co-opted. Yeah. Yeah. Made into some kind of brand. But yeah, you know, I mean, we've got a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. Lots of hate, lots of really bad things. And I, you know, really don't want to be a part of that. So I feel like... um, and and I think a lot of my lyrics are like working that kind of Mm. shit out. How directly? just you know thinking about how even like how women are you know there's so many bad situations women can be in Mm -hmm. and sometimes I think about that sometimes I just think about um how you can have all these voices going on in your head all the time just tormenting you just things you know it's not that I'm always happy now but I find that you know, working it out is the answer. And, you know, it's the older you get, the more important that is because it's all, you know, you, we're only on it planet for a certain amount of time. So there isn't going to be a, a fuck you Donald Trump song necessarily on the next Well, record? we do have this song called Sucker is Born. It's, it is it is about Donald okay. Trump. Yeah, <laughs> it came out on Third Man. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So, so there, there there is a little bit of oh, direct. Yeah. I, it's, you know, I don't like to be really direct. Yeah. I don't like to have a song like "Fuck You, Donald Trump," sure. but I, I I love to get it in there. Yeah, those don't necessarily age well, you know. Hopefully, in you know a year, we won't be dealing with them, and you know. But but these we'll sort have, of larger we'll probably have a new Donald exactly. Trump. Exactly. These these larger ideas are still there. You know, yeah. You don't necessarily have to name names in that way. Right. I like to people just look at you know look at things a little bit more carefully, maybe. Have some feelings. When you lose a friend, when you lose a bandmate, how much of a motivator is that for you to, to sort of to keep going while you still can? Yeah, big. Yeah, it's a big motivator. And plus, it's, you know, it's you're dealing with grief. Yeah. I mean, I just lost a parent. You know, it's part of the whole thing. Although I've lost a lot of friends from AIDS. Yeah. My generation's seen a lot of loss. Like, it's a little crazy between... Hep C, AIDS, and uh, now cancer. Cancer's reaping havoc on my my sixty and up. 
So it just, I don't, I think our gen, my generation just specifically has a lot more of that. So it, it really makes you appreciate life, I guess, for lack of better words. Yeah. But there, there's a sense, though, that for as long as you're able to sort of stand up and get out there and can still sing, you're... Yeah, and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm, you know, I'm, I feel lucky. Yeah, I'm kind of survived everything. It is a funny thing about about music, where you know you're you're 60, but you know it's like, oh, how much you know, how much longer can I keep doing this? Is you know, it's it, you know, if you were like an accountant, I don't know if you'd necessarily be having that that conversation in the same I, way. I, maybe people are thinking about it more and more, but you know, it's like we we just lost Andy Gill. It's yeah, like. Yeah. Crazy, sixty-four. If that to me, that sounds very young. Yeah. You guys toured with them. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We played with them a lot, and it yeah. was a big influence. And yeah, it's it's a big loss. It's just and Ivan Crawl. Yeah. yeah, I could go on and on. Yeah, There's yeah. just every time I open Facebook, which I I kind of avoid Facebook, but I I have to get on it sometimes. Mm-hmm. 